Thursday morning. It is Victory Thursday still, and we are celebrating this one for a long time. The Green Bay Packers went to the Bayou, and they beat the New Orleans Saints in the Super Dump. Taysom Hill, the weapon, the biggest blunder in Ted Thompson's career, fumbled the game away thanks to Zadarius Smith. I am your host, Jacob Westendorf. I am not joined by the usually sparkly and chipper Maggie Loney. She has moved into her new house, and as she describes, she had a, quote, expletive ton of unpacking to do. But those of you guys that haven't seen her new basement, check out on Monday's Happy Hour with Perry Goldstein on Game On Wisconsin. You guys would be able to see her basement looks awesome. You guys will need to check that out. But unfortunately, she is not here to babysit us two morons. So it is just me, Jacob Westendorf, tonight. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at Jacob Westendorf, and I am with Jimmy Christensen. And Jimmy, they have left us unsupervised. So it is up to us to rule the roost. This show's going to go off the rails pretty quick. Uh, They they made a mistake. Yeah, I... Maggie's basement looks nice and I kind of want to move into a new house just to do that to my basement. Yeah, I do too. And, uh, I actually just moved into a new house two years ago and like, she's already lapped my basement and I think mine looks pretty good. So yeah, that's a bit of a bummer that it's already been. (laughs) So I'm going to have to get that all figured out. But Jimmy, the Packers are three and oh, they have scored 37 points is the least amount of points they've scored through three games. What are your thoughts on this team just through? We're almost at the quarter pole of the season, obviously. We won't be through that until they play the Falcons on Monday night, but we're almost at the quarter pole of the season. What are your thoughts on this team in general just through three games? So looking at the offense, the thing that I love, one, is we're clicking on all cylinders. Like obviously we're the highest scoring team in the NFL. Uh, we've been putting up points left and right, which is just beautiful to see. Matt LaFleur really come into his own as a play caller and just dialing up things that, even Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show is pumped about that uh, that play action pass to Robert Tanyan for that touchdown. So it's great to great to hear that and see that in the games. Uh, and one big thing that I love is that each week it's been somebody new and something new. So like week one, we used the passing game with Devontae just tore apart the Vikings defense, just made them look incompetent. Uh, week two, Aaron Jones had a ridiculous game. Even Jamal Williams as well had 60 yards himself and. Aaron Jones had that 75-yard touchdown, uh, that great catch that made him look like a wide receiver uh, over the the Lions defensive back. And then week three, Alan Lazard had a ridiculous game, 140-plus yards. Our tight ends combined for over 100 yards and two touchdowns. So it's just – it's somebody new every week, which is great because we're not relying on the same people, which just shows the Packers' next-man-up mentality and just – it's a different team this year than last year. LaFleur number two is just something to be nervous about. Yeah. I want to give kudos, kudos, excuse me, to Jay Sternberger specifically, uh, just because he had a rough game and it would have been very, very easy for Jace to just kind of dwell on that. Right. It would have been very simple for him to just be like, okay, I'm buried on the depth chart. My opportunities aren't going to come anymore, but instead he makes three catches. And I, I mean, I'm not putting him in the hall of fame. Let's not say that I'm not even making him a pro bowl type player after that, but the fact that he was able to come back, have kind of a, a redemption sort of game. He made the plays that were in front of him. That can be a confidence boost for the team moving forward. And I really think that you mentioned it, the offense and their ability to win in a variety of different ways. Cause after the first game, everybody said, Oh, okay. How is it that you can't stop just a team with one offensive weapon like that? And it was just the Devonte show. Well, the last two weeks, they haven't had Devonte for essentially the last six quarters. Yep. Well, the Packers have still scored 40 some odd points with the last six quarters. Well, uh, they found a way 
And the Packers offense has been dynamic, whether it's been Aaron Jones in the running game, Alan Lazard, the tight ends. I think this comes back to, you mentioned at the very end, the absolute brilliance of Matt LaFleur. And this is a hire that I don't think got a lot of publicity when it was made. It was actually met with a lot of like laughing and people were like, oh my God, this guy, Aaron Rodgers is going to run him over. I look back at some of the stuff that was said about the hire when it was made, which let's just remember whenever a hire is made, unless the guy was a head coach before, like Adam Gase sucks. And we oh, knew that so he, got hired. he wasn't a good coach for the dolphins. So yeah. we knew that, but unless the guy's been a head coach before, we don't know. And if we don't know, then we don't need to jump to conclusions on what is a good and a bad hire. But the overall consensus about Matt LaFleur was that it wasn't a good hire, whether it's because it wasn't Josh McDaniels or Adam Gase was a popular name, or I don't remember some of the other real popular names at the time, or if the idea was just to say, let Aaron Rodgers run the offense and hire a defensive guy. Well, they didn't do that either. And they hired Matt LaFleur, this boy wonder that came from Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan's coaching tree. And that kind of got mocked as saying, well, he shook hands with Sean McVay. So he's qualified now sarcastically to be a head coach. Yeah. And he has been, and he's been good in every sense of the word. He is 16, excuse me, 17 and three, or I'm bad at math, 16 and three in his regular season career, 17 and four overall. He's been phenomenal in every stretch of the word. He's changed the culture at the drop of a hat and the Packers were horrible. And I'm as big of a Mike McCarthy fan as you will find. I'm as big of a Mike McCarthy defender as you will find. The Packers were horrible at the end of his tenure. Depressing. We hate watched the Packers at the end of Mike McCarthy's tenure. Now this team is fun to watch. I look forward to Sundays and Mondays. I cannot wait for Monday night football because this team is fun to watch. They're enjoyable to watch. Whereas towards the end and especially that final season, it was just like, okay, the game's on, like, we'll watch it because it's on and what the hell else am I going to do? Yeah. But otherwise there wasn't much reason and a whole lot of fun to watch this team. And now it is, it's fun to watch. So that's been great. That's kind of my thoughts at the the near quarter pole, if you will, of the season. And now the Packers, they finally won a game. I mentioned this on Sunday after the, after the game was over as well as they finally won a game that they weren't quote unquote supposed to win. And what I mean by that is it seems like it's been a long time with Aaron Rodgers as the starting quarterback that, and I can't include Matt LaFleur because he just hasn't been around long enough, obviously. But with Rodgers as the starting quarterback, it's been a long time since they've won a game on the road against a team with equal or better talent to them. And last year against Kansas City, for example, doesn't count because Patrick Mahomes didn't play. So New Orleans on Sunday, granted, it's a little different because there were no fans, but these are the cards that we've been dealt. I was going to say, that's what people are going to go to right away is there's no fans. It's it's not the same thing, but it's the same thing. I mean, listen, cry over spilled milk all you want. Um, That's fine. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the two teams are playing in the same atmosphere and the Packers don't have the advantage of the fans at Lambeau Field either. So they lose some of that as well. And granted, maybe it is a different game, but those are the cards we've been dealt for this season. So that's the way it is. And yep. it's a level playing field from that standpoint for both teams. So, oh, well, too bad. Uh, the Packers have finally won a game that way. So maybe it is a little different, but I think that is what separates the good teams from the truly elite. And right now, 
Seattle, it seems like Seattle, San Francisco, and Green Bay seem to be the three teams towards the top of the NFC. The Cardinals obviously had a rough uh, loss on Sunday against Detroit. That obviously isn't something that you want to see for a team that you think is going to be one of the one of the elite teams in the NFC. And the Rams had a bit of a rough go against the Bills. They had a chance to win that game. They looked like they could be a team that's in the mix. But yeah, it looks like the NFC West and Green Bay. And yeah. that's that's a good place to be in if you're the Packers because that division is going to beat up on each other. So this was a big win for Green Bay this past Sunday. But we are not here to talk about the past, as Mark McGuire once famously said <laughs> to Congress. We are here <laughs> to talk. Hey, I'm glad you got that reference. That was pretty good. Uh, or at least I thought so. I, I laugh at my own jokes. That's kind of embarrassing. But <laughs> I'm here to talk about Monday night. And the Packers play the Atlanta Falcons <clears throat> on Monday night football. The Falcons are an 0-3 football team. And realistically, uh, easily could be 3-0. and uh, They lost a game opening weekend against Seattle. Had a lead. That was a bit of a back-and-forth affair. Should have beaten Dallas if they could just recover a damn onside kick. They yep. didn't do that, and I still am not 100% sure how. And they blew a 16-point lead at home on Sunday against Nick Foles and the Chicago Bears yep. to fall to 0-3. Dan Quinn still has a job, and we're not quite sure how. I'm not going to dance on his grave just yet. The, the Falcons, we're not here to fire people, quite frankly. But the Falcons, they can score points in bunches. This mm -hmm. is a game before the bye week, and I just want to start here. The classic phrasing, Jimmy, is trap game. Yeah. The quarterback doesn't necessarily believe in those. I do, and I can use an example, but do you think this is a trap game? It, if it was any other team but the Falcons or maybe even the 40 – well, not the 49ers because they're good now, but it seems like the Falcons are just a team that when they play the Packers, it's like a different – it's a different team, I feel. Um, they always do well against us. <clears throat> and I always go back to 2016 when they just absolutely slaughtered us in that NFC championship game. Um, not a fun time. No, not a fun time. Definitely not. I don't know. It's just like they've shown they, they can compete. They were competitive against the Seahawks when the top teams in the NFC, they were supposed to win against the Cowboys. They were leading them. Another team that a lot of people have high hopes for. And later on in the season, I expect to be in the playoffs and uh, maybe even win a game in the playoffs. And then this past week, they should have dominated the Bears. But somehow, big expletive Nick just. <laughs> just you ain't right. Did, no, no, stop. Just did it. Okay. I'm just saying, like, it's the Falcons are a good team. They just can't hold leads. So I shouldn't say they're a good team. They're like you said, they're a team that can score points, which makes me nervous because our defense at times is a defense that can't stop offenses. So do I think it's a trap game? No. Am I confident in saying that? No. So I'm like I said in the in Lombardi's bar, I'm trying to be cautiously optimistic on this. I do think it's a trap game. It's right before the bye week. Like I mentioned, the Packers are coming off of a big win. Right before the bye isn't as big of a deal just because obviously the players can't go on vacation and everything like that. They're not going back home. They're kind of quarantined this season because of the COVID-19 precautions and protocols that are taking place. However, one example I can use of a trap game goes all the way back to 2014 where the Packers were coming off of a win against the Falcons and they went to Buffalo and they played the Bills and Kyle Orton was there. Yeah, And had the Packers won that game, they were in the driver's seat for home field advantage throughout the playoffs. And that famous game in Seattle would have been played at Lambeau. That, 
would have been played at Lambeau Field <laughs> had they won that game. And Ugh. they didn't. They lost that game. Uh, and because of that game, that game ended up being played in Seattle. And we all know nothing happened from there. Football just yep. ended after that. So uh, it ended after shortly after Des Bryant dropped a pass at Lambeau Field. So that's all I remember. Um, so unfortunately for whoever won the Super Bowl that season or thought they could win the Super Bowl that season, nothing else happened. But I do think it's a bit of a trap game because the Packers are coming off an emotional win against an NFC contender. The yeah. Falcons are a desperate team. And I still think that this team has some pride. I know that, you know, Dan Quinn obviously has been made a meme throughout the course of the week and they've had a bit of a rough go. But if you look at this team, this is a team I thought could make the playoffs and they're listen to some of these names, guys. These are some names that they have. Now, some of these guys are injured and may or may not play, but just listen to some of these names that could suit up on Monday night. Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage. Those are their starting wide receivers. All three of them are capable players. Julio Jones, obviously nursing an injury. He's one of the best receivers in all of football. Calvin Ridley has been incredible this season. Offensive line, Jake Matthews, Alex Mack, Chris Lindstrom's a first round pick. Hayden Hurst is a the guy they traded for. He's had a good start to his season. Matt Ryan's their starting quarterback. He's a former league MVP. He's an accomplished player. Todd Gurley, Brian Hill. That's a good stable of running backs. Defense. Okay. Their defense is rancid. I mean, yeah. no question about that, but on the offensive side of the ball, they are more talented offense top to bottom than the Packers are. So yes, I think they can put up points. And whenever you can put up points, you have a puncher's chance. Now, the problem is when we get to the defensive side of the ball, which is not what we were here to talk about. That was last night, but their defense stinks and yeah. it's, it's really bad. They don't play particularly well on the road. So that doesn't help their cause. Obviously coming into Lambeau field on a Monday night, the Packers very well could score 40 plus points once again on Monday night, but we are here to break down the defense against the Falcons offense. And I kind of want to go Jimmy, this this offense, or excuse me, this defense as a whole through the first three games, Aaron Rodgers mentioned on the Pat McAfee show. And for those of you that didn't see the t-shirt he was wearing, it's a little suggestive, so I won't say it on the show. Um, I but I will, I will just, please don't. I, will. Um, <laughs> I did buy one. So, so I. I will let you guys know that I did buy one of those shirts. So if you could please look up the shirt that Aaron Rodgers was wearing, it's phenomenal. But on the Pat McAfee show, he was talking about how defenses this year seem to be missing some energy because of the lack of fans in the stands. And I wondered what you thought of that statement. And if you thought maybe that was playing into some of the effect of the Packers defense, not playing well so far this season. Yeah, I definitely think that's, that's a fair point because the defense, the D train, like how hyped they get, how hyped the crowd would get because of that defense. Like you could tell once the once the crowd started going and Lambo was extremely loud last year compared to seasons past, like the defense fed off it. Zadarius got the crowd going, his sack celebrations. Um, the defense was something that last year that we haven't seen in a while of just feeding off the crowd and that team atmosphere, that family feel that they had. And this season, without the crowd, you can tell that there's something missing. As much as everyone wants to, everyone wants to say, bring your own juice. At some point, you're bringing knockoff fruit punch when if you have the crowd, it's that sweet, sweet Hawaiian punch. So it's like without the crowd there, there's just something missing. You can tell with the way the defense is performing. They still have that bend, don't break mentality, which argue that all you want, but they're they're forcing turnovers here and there, which is kind of saving them like last week against uh, when they made Taysom Hill, your favorite player, fumble the ball. Um, but – 
there's something missing on the defense. And I think it's, yeah, that, that just energy they're bringing from the crowd. And even when we're away at away games, when they sack the quarterback and you just have all that energy suck out of the fans, like that just collective, like, Oh, like that also fills the defense. Like, I know it's, it's loud in there when the offense is on there, but the defense feeds off of silencing the crowd. So uh, it's definitely, there's definitely something missing. Yeah, I'll give them credit from the standpoint of when they had to on Sunday night. So I mentioned it as the play happened. So Aaron Jones gets stuffed on fourth and one. And I basically said, okay, their money players, Malcolm Jenkins, Marshawn Lattimore, made a money play. Yeah. Now the Packers need one of their money guys, whether that's Jair, Z, Preston, somebody like that. One of those guys has to make a play. And to their credit, one of them did. Yeah. Zadarius Smith forces a fumble on the great Hall of Famer, better than Lamar Jackson. Taysom Hill, two notches and above. Two notches above, or just needs an offense built around him, whatever the hell else it was <laughs> that was said throughout the course of the week. And they did. Not only that, but that has kind of been chalked up. And some of this, myself included, has been part of that is that the defense still had to make another stop. The Packers only kicked a field goal off of that. So they needed to make another stop to get that game to the point that they did. And to their credit, they did. Chan yeah. Sullivan made a great play on Alvin Kamara oh, yeah. to sniff out one of those screens at the end of uh, that, that last possession. Well, the last possession of consequence for the saints. So they were able to do that. So to their credit, they have made plays when they've needed to. They've made some big plays that have changed the tide of games. The interception by Jair Alexander in the first game kind of changed the tide of that game. The interception by Chan Sullivan, the pick six obviously is a big one. The biggest thing to me through three weeks for this defense is they have 13 quarterback hits and they've played two not good offensive lines. Detroit's offensive line stinks. Minnesota's Mm -hmm. offensive line is worse than that. And they had big leads in those games and been able to pin their ears back and go after them. And they still haven't really done a whole lot in the means of rushing the passer. So for all the gnashing of teeth about this team's run defense, my biggest concern through three weeks is the fact that they do so much to stop the pass and one, they're really not doing that well in terms of coverage on the back end right now. And they're not rushing the passer yep. early on. And add in that right now, as of the recording of this, we really don't know the status of Rashawn Gary. So that's one of their three big pass rushers, if you will. Now, there are things that can improve. Kenny Clark has only played, what, 12 to 15 snaps this season. I think that's something that can that can change for this team that you can certainly see helping them moving forward. But for Absolutely. now... The Packers don't have that and they have to play. They're going to have to play better on defense. That's just the thing is they can't play this way. I'm not saying they have to be an elite defense, but they have to be better than this on defense to win the Super Bowl because they're just, they're not going to score 40 points a game. They're just not. That's the reality. But going into Monday night, who, Jimmy, is your guy that you think the Packers need to focus on stopping the most? You, I, you have to go with Calvin Ridley at this point, especially if Julio Jones nursing his injury. I know uh, Dan Quinn said he's hopeful that he'll play this Sunday, but Calvin Ridley has had over 100 yards receiving every game so far this season. Um, he's in his third year now, and he's made that jump. Like He's become a top receiver in the league through these first three weeks, uh, and it's going to be a great contest for Jair Alexander. I know week one, it was Adam Thielen. He did, he did a pretty good job with that. I know he had that garbage time touchdown, but um, Jair, this is going to be his, his best test so far, just with the production Ridley's had this season. Um, they are going to have to shut him down. If they shut him down, that, that offense takes a huge hit. Obviously, if Julio's there, that's a the guy you have to shut down. But 
even with him with him out, it's it's Calvin Ridley all day. You have to you have to take that take that threat and eliminate him. I'm with you on that. Calvin Ridley's been as explosive as they get early on this season. He's been their go-to guy. Obviously, Julio Jones missing some time has certainly helped. Uh, well, not helped, I suppose. Missing Julio Jones is never going to help a team, but it's yeah. helped Calvin Ridley in terms of his production. He's missed some time early yeah. on in this season, but Calvin Ridley has been a monster. Uh, I think he's been, you know, kind of overlooked when when you play with Julio Jones. Obviously, that's something that is going to be a big storyline. Uh, or you're going to be kind of a forgotten player when you play with players like that. It's just kind of the nature of how things work. His currency has 349 yards. He averages over 115 yards a game, and he has four touchdowns in three games. So he's been phenomenal. I think that's one of those guys you got to look for. The Packers, I kind of mentioned it on Twitter over the weekend, is just so everybody knows, they were putting up points on a Bears defense that I think is pretty good. Obviously, the Bear, I mean, the Bears defense is better than the Packers defense. I'm not telling anybody anything that you guys don't know. And the Bears were struggling to stop the Falcons. This team can put up points. Yeah, I think, again, this is another one of those games that's going to come down to can the Packers force a turnover or two, make a couple big plays on defense, and get into scoring, outscoring the Falcons. That's, that's where this game is going to be won. And honestly, I think that's where a game like this is going to be won, whether they had a really good defense or not. Because like I just mentioned, the Falcons put up points against good defenses anyways. Now they've played some bad defenses early on. Seattle doesn't have a good defense. Dallas certainly doesn't have a good defense. Chicago does. And they put up 26 points and they easily could have had a play here or there. I think uh, their, their kicker missed at least one field goal. So that would have been 29. They had a couple missed opportunities in the red zone. They could have been up over 30. So that's one option there. The way that I think you can get to them is their interior line, which has some struggles. Now they have made some investments in there. Like I mentioned, Chris Lindstrom was one of the favorites. Alex Mack is a good player in there. James Carpenter is an okay guy, but that is where I think you have to get after them. This is where that Rover role for Zadarius Smith, I think can pay some dividends. And maybe you could finally see that, that quote unquote breakout game from Z through this game and get into that snubbed defensive player of the year type stuff that we were talking about for him last year. Cause he just, he hasn't been that this year. And that's where I kind of want to get to uh, Jimmy right now is through, like I mentioned, the Packers have 13 quarterback hits through three games. Darius Smith has made a splash play in each of those games. Preston Smith, relatively silent. Rashawn yeah. Gary had one big game from a sexy numbers standpoint, but not a, not consistent production. I wouldn't say, um, his processes have been better, but he certainly hasn't been a great player. I would say early in the season, what's your level of concern right now with the edge rushers, those three guys specifically early on this season. I'm, I'm definitely concerned. There's no, there's no getting around that when your top two defensive player, defensive linemen or two out of your top three defensive linemen aren't producing the way they should with Z and Preston. Uh, especially Preston, just he, it's not that he's playing horrible, but like you said, he's not making those splash plays, those impact plays that we were used to last season um, in his first year with the Packers. And the big thing too is just looking at like Rashawn Gary has more sacks than Preston, which is great for Rashawn. He's making that little bit of a step, uh, even though those those sacks came in one game for him, which but still he had those pressures in the first game as well. And then like Tyler Lancaster has more tackle for losses and Preston Smith. Like that's something that just can't happen. Um, so I'm more nervous with Preston, just not being able to make those splash plays right now, but I'm also a little optimistic on the fact that, like you said, Kenny Clark's been out so much. 
So when you have that dominant force in the middle again, that takes, you're not able to focus as much on the outside when you have someone coming in the middle who is one of the top graded uh, pass rushers from PFF standpoint. Like he is a dominant pass rusher from the middle. So when Kenny Clark comes back, paired up with a Kingsley Kiki who may have a newfound confidence after a two sack game and a forced fumble, the outside might be um, easier to get to the quarterback now once they have more things to worry about. And that's where I want to go next is that Kingsley Kiki, the Lombardi's bar bump is real. My yeah, friends Kingsley it is, Kiki man. came on the show Wednesday night, obviously. And, uh, was able to have a, a bit of a breakout game on, on Sunday, it's a couple sacks, a forced fumble. How confident are you in him going forward as maybe a running mate for, for Mr. Clark? Oh, absolutely confident it's people have been singing his praises all off season saying they expect him to take a step forward. Um, Kenny Clark called him the most talented pass rusher in the group. Uh, and he did this again with no offense to Lowry and Lancaster, but those are his running mates on the defensive line at that point. So when you have Kenny Clark come back, that's just going to take pressure off Kingsley and let him uh, let him eat. Thinking of Kingsley Keegan, it's not a knock on him at all. But when you have Clark, Zadarius, Press, um, Preston, and also Rashanin at some points too, like he's going to be the fourth, maybe fifth person they worry about, and he's going to be able to just find his way to the quarterback, find his way to the running back for a tackle for loss. Like they're going to be able to to have their way with these offensive linemen, I think, once the season progresses. And it, it, it reminds me of 2011 a lot after that lockout year where the defenses just took a little bit to get going. And the the further the season gets going along and Zadari, or uh, sorry, excuse me, Kingsley gets used to playing the larger number of snaps, getting his body right, I have all the confidence in the world in him. I agree. I, I think that he's the second most talented defensive lineman on this roster. And I think that, in an ideal world, he's he's maybe not that. Maybe he's your third or fourth guy. But yeah. we're not living in an ideal world. That's that's where the Packers are at right now. But he's a good player. He's definitely got the juice. He mm-hmm. played pass rusher in college. He was on the edge. That's certainly not where he belongs in the NFL. He's where he belongs at now. And I'm looking forward to seeing more from him. I certainly hope to see more from him than the guys that you just mentioned. Tyler Lancaster's one. Dean Lowry is another one. But I look forward to seeing him next to Kenny Clark. I'm going to be interested – to see when the injury report comes out later today, what Kenny Clark looks like, just because Kenny's an awesome player. uh, And obviously he does so much for this defense. And I think you've seen the effects that he has on this defense with maybe some of the lesser effects of the super Smith brothers and some of the other guys with him being out. I'm not saying that the Smith brothers aren't great players without him. They are. And it's a really small sample size. Obviously we're talking about two and a half games that the Packers have played without Kenny Clark. I mean, that's a really, really short sample size. And I still have, all the confidence that Preston Smith and Z and Rashawn Gary and all those guys are going to get after the quarterback eventually by the end of the season. I just think that it's been a bit of a slow start. And after last year where Zadarius and Preston Smith both had huge starts to the season, we almost expect like it's normal for teammates to have 15 sacks a piece. Yeah. And that's just not normal. That's, you know, yeah. that's just not how things work. Now there's different ways and different things and it's a, it's a chess match. So on the, on the note of Kings, the Kiki, which is what we were talking about. I hope to see more snaps from him. You know, I hope to see that he's out there more often. Uh, you know, no disrespect to guys like Montrevious Adams and Tyler Lancaster, but I don't. Oh, I guess this is I, I said no disrespect, and then I'm going to be disrespectful. But I don't, <laughs> I don't have much use for those guys. Um, yeah, you know, they just they're just guys, and I don't even know Adams. Frankly, we've I think we've done just about all you could. He's one of those guys that if you can find 
a another defensive lineman that wants to come in and play. And I know we're going to, everybody jumps to the, Oh, bring in snacks, Harrison. And it's been discussed over and over and over again. And friend of the show, Owen Reese has said it. He's got a source snacks. Harrison doesn't want to play in green Bay. Yeah. And if that's the case, then it's that simple. Snacks. Harrison doesn't want to play in green Bay. So if snacks doesn't want to play in green Bay, he's not going to play in green Bay. So it won't be him, but if they have another defensive lineman, someone like even guys like, I mean, I saw a few flashes from Billy Wynn just on the live, you know, live yeah. view of the game the other night, somebody like him, I'd like to see more of him just cause I don't know what he is. I do know what Montrevious Adams isn't. Yeah. And I, you know, I've, I've had enough of, of watching that, but Kiki, you know, I think that your preferred two down lineman. And I think something else that you could see is if you get those preferred pass rushing downs, if you can get a few snaps that you can get Kiki instead of Kenny Clark, and I'm not saying that you want to do that too often because Kenny Clark's a special player, but if you can get a few to where Kenny can get a break and Kiki can give him a few of those things, that's not the worst thing in the world. Obviously yeah. that's going to be helpful. So I look forward to that. Jimmy in the secondary, the safety play has left a little to be desired. Now yes. I thought Adrian Amos, I mentioned, you know, everybody kind of saw the one play where he had a bit of a rough look against Alvin Kamara, but otherwise he played a little bit better on Sunday night. So that's encouraging his thing, quote unquote, is being rock solid, which that certainly has value. We saw that last year, especially after watching some of the other safeties that have rolled through green Bay in the last 10 years. Darnell Savage is a different story. Um, that's been one of the more disappointing storylines. I think early in the season is just his level of play and he hasn't made a leap. Uh, if he has made a leap, it's been in the wrong direction so far to start this season. But how confident are you that he can turn things around? And what's concerning you so far on just his play early in the season? With I'm, I'm with all these players, I know I sound just kind of super biased right now, but he is only going into his second season. Uh, and he was injured for part of it last year as well. So I'm definitely confident he can turn around. It's only his second year. Uh, but the big thing that's concerning is he was like we said, Adrian is our is our solid man. Like he is, he's consistent as can be. But Savage was kind of supposed to be that big splash player, that person that's just a freak athlete who can make a lot of plays for the for the team. And right now, it's just not what you see. He's missing tackles. He's ma- he's taking r- bad angles on. Um, like I know this was last season, but that play against Dalvin Cook, that seventy five yard touchdown, like that could have been stopped if Darnell Savage took the right angle um, on that play. So. It's just those those type of things we're still seeing this season that you would hope in the second year they'll kind of be cleaned up a little bit, just aren't there. Um, that play as well against Thielen week one, his first touchdown, like he he relied on his athletic ability to be able to close that gap on Thielen, he just couldn't. So just being in the right place, right time, making the right moves, and realizing that everybody in the NFL is athletic, and you can't rely on that when you're here. So. I'm confident, but it's got to change. Yeah. Something else to keep in mind with some of these young guys too. And really the players as a whole is just that it's some of these, the young guys that it's, they're in there, you know, X season, first, second, third, and that they had no off season. So the opportunities to get better weren't necessarily there. Darnell Savage. I'm not giving up on him yet. He was my highest rated safety coming into that draft class. I'm not ready to just discard him. I'm not ready to even say that he needs to change roles, which is certainly something that has become a popular theory in the last couple of weeks. We'll wait and see on some of those things. Overall, I do think the safety play needs to be better. I think Amos took a step that direction. I think Savage needs to take a step in that direction. Yeah. And if he does, 
you know, we kind of talked about this a lot during the off season, Jimmy, is that if he does take a step in that direction with the step Jair Alexander has already taken, yeah. his defense can be elite. Before we wrap, I want to talk about the linebacker position because I mean, we kind of have to, right? Christian Kurtz, yeah. he's not, not going to play on Monday night. So that means Chris Barnes, undrafted free agent, or your guy, our guy, friend of the show, Ty Summers, yeah. is going to be in a position to start. How did you think Ty played on Sunday night when pressed into action first and foremost? Obviously, he had missed tackles. And like you said, he's harder on himself than anybody else. So he knows that. Uh, but I think overall, coming into a game, your first time taking a defensive snap in your – regular season NFL career, you're going against a first ballot hall of famer as a quarterback who, when you make adjustments, he's going to make adjustments. Like as a constant check chess match. I think he did well. Uh, even Matt LaFleur said the communication on the defensive end for someone coming in for his first time was, was strong. Like that's what Ty Summers said was his strong point was his communication. So I think calling the plays on the defense, making those checks, he did, a, he did a good job. He tied the, uh, he was tied for the most tackles la or during the game with Chris Barnes. So I think overall he did pretty well for his first time out there on the defense. Obviously there's things that need to improve. He said that LaFleur said that uh, there's no question about it, but I think it's a good first stepping stone for his, uh, his career. Yeah. I, I think it was, like you said, a mixed bag, right? I mean, yeah. it wasn't good. It wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. I'm not going to make him Bobby Wagner, but I'm also not going to make him, some of the roster fodder. <laughs> yeah. Some of the roster fodder that has played inside linebacker for the Packers in the last 10 years or so. I mean, it was okay. He had a couple nice plays. There was one tackle on Alvin Kamara. I mean, I remember pointing at the TV like, yeah, man, that was awesome. But there were some other plays where you're kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, he's a seventh round rookie or seventh round, second round player, seventh round pick, freak athlete. Yep. There are some things he can do in the middle. I didn't notice that big of a drop off between him and Christian Kirksey, though. So, Exactly. I don't know if that necessarily bodes well for Christian Kirksey, but that's not a terrible thing. Chris Barnes, obviously it has been a pleasant surprise. He's, he's very highly rated via pro football focus. Take that for whatever you think that's worth. He has some plays again, an undrafted rookie. I'm curious to see, they are able to bring back Kamal Martin off of IR this week if they want to, if he's able, uh, but that remains to be seen if that's even a possibility. So we'll kind of check in on those things. Do you think again, I said, do you think we're a little bit harder on Ty because any it's any backup too, like any backup going in, if they plays that they miss, it's like, oh, we need Kirksey. But like you said, overall, there really wasn't much of a drop off between Kirksey and Summers. And I think we we forget that or we we ignore that because of like a misplay. I think that I think that does happen. And I think there's a lot of different theories I have, and one of them is scapegoats are one. So for mm. example, early in the game. You know, early in the game, uh, Rick Wagner obviously has become one of those. Oh my God, how did they bench him? Yeah. And Billy Turner is the scapegoat for everything that goes wrong on the Packers offense. That leads that, you know, goes yeah. back to last year. Absolutely. Did anybody notice that Billy Turner played really well on, well, maybe he not really well, it. but he, but he played well on Sunday night, right? Yeah. The Packers offense, the only sack they gave up was on the quarterback, which I mean, that's even kind of a tough thing for me to say, just because I know it was a. They sent more guys than the Packers had to block. And I don't know if Rogers hot read was covered, but I know that it wasn't the fault of the offensive line. Yeah. That's what I know. I don't know if Rogers could have gotten the ball out and didn't I'll say that much. That being said, I think that 
one, I think scapegoats are a thing. Two, yes, I do think that, like you said, backups are a thing. So we automatically think that the starter would have made that play. So like, for example, if, if Kevin King goes down, you know, we almost make the starter better by association. And I'm not using Kevin King necessarily as a bad player type example, but let's just say that King's not playing and Josh Jackson gives up a completion. would have been like, man, King would have gotten that. Like Jackson sucks. Yeah. It's like, well, that's, I mean, maybe King would have made that play, but it's not a Josh Jackson sucks thing either. Like, yeah, I don't know how many people are doing that at linebacker. I think, I think people in general just kind of assume that until the Packers use a high pick or spend a lot of money on a linebacker, like Corey Littleton as a free agent or like a Patrick queen yeah. in the draft or something like that, which, Hey guys, for everybody listening to the show, just please listen to me. When I say this, they're never going to do that. Mm-mm. So I understand maybe that frustrates you. They're just not going to, they don't value the position and maybe that frustrates you, but they don't. And sorry, they just don't. Um, if that frustrates you, then call Brian Gutekunst. I really don't know what else to tell you on that, but yeah. Um, you know, Summers, I, I think that he'll be fine overall. Um, like I said, he's a freak athlete, and I think that him and Chris Barnes will be okay. The one other surprise, Oren Burks was one of the Packers' highest-graded players at, uh, via pro football focus. So that's something that maybe something he can build on. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not holding my breath necessarily, but he was okay. So I would be interested to see if that's something he can build on. Jimmy, we're out of time. Let's go Monday night. It's Packers. It's Falcons. It's at Lambeau Field. Matt Ryan against Aaron Rodgers. These are always fun when those two lock horns. Who wins and what's the final score? Uh, I know we talked a little bit about a trap game, but I still think the Packers are going to pull it off. I think it's going to be a high-scoring one. Falcons offense is not something to mess around with right now, but I think the Packers get it done with a high score of 45 to 31. 45, 31. I think you're in the right range. I think the Packers offense is going to put up points. I think that the defense is going to have a couple of timely turnovers. I think this game could resemble maybe not quite the same sort of idea, but everybody remembers that 2014 Monday night game where Julio Jones went bonkers and it was 31 to seven at one point. The Packers kind of got a big lead and then ended up holding on for dear life at the very end. I think that the Packers will eventually get out to a lead. I think their defense is better than Atlanta's. They have more talent. And at some point, I've said this all year, the Packers overall have more talent on their defense than they do on their offense. And I don't mean that to be disrespectful of their offense. I just think that's true. If you name blue chip and red chip players to use an old Brian Caravuism, shout out Brian Caravu at Red Railbird Central. That was a mouthful man, it's been a while since I've listened to that show. Brian, if you're listening, man, give me a shout. I, I miss listening to your show. That was a, that was a good one once upon a time. But um, if you look at blue chip and red chip players, so really good or solid starters, the Packers have more players like that on defense than they do on offense. And that's not disrespectful the offense. It's just what I think is factual. And if I, if I'm wrong, feel free to tell me at Jacob Westendorf on Twitter. You guys do that all the time anyways, but <laughs> That's just what I think. At some point, I think this defense is going to show something. Now, I'm not saying they're going to turn into an elite unit overnight. I don't think that's going to happen. But they're going to be better than they have been. Uh, that being said, I, I don't know if Monday night is necessarily the night to cure your ills because, like I mentioned, this offense is very talented. 
I don't know if Julio Jones is going to play. If he does, their offense goes from bonkers talented. If he doesn't play, then it's just really, really talented. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think the Packers offense is better. They have the better coach. They have the better team. They have the team who's not going to quit. And for my friend, Christian Dubois, who's listening, I love you very, very much. Uh, but I just want to remind you that Dan Quinn had an opportunity to hire Matt LaFleur as his offensive coordinator, and he hired Steve Sarkeesian. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to say about that. Packers win 45 to 27. I think the, the maybe the Falcons get a garbage time touchdown or something like that to make it 34. But those are my thoughts. That's going to do it. Guys, check out the podcast. It's at Packaday Podcast. You can follow me personally. I'm Jacob Westendorf. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Westendorf for Packers takes and pictures of Blake. That's a dad joke rhyme, and I'm an expert at those too. You can follow Jimmy. He's at Jimmy C underscore zero eight. And our partner who we miss and love very, very much. Her name is Maggie Loney. You can follow her at Maggie J Loney, L-O-N-E-Y. Check everything out, guys. The biggest thing that we want to promote before we get to the end of this show is every Tuesday night, if you can't get enough of Jimmy and myself, the yeah. Jamal Williams show, and we have Jamal Williams himself on the Game on Wisconsin YouTube channel. Facebook and Twitter channel. You can check those out game on Wisconsin or game on WI on Twitter. And what we're doing is we are promoting the J swag daddy swag bag giveaway. It is a children's toy and bicycle drive for underprivileged children. And it is a, we're trying to raise some money for charity and all the proceeds go to Jamal Williams and his charity. Uh, we have a goal of $5,000 and we are not there. We've raised a little bit in the first two weeks, but we want to get to that and we want to surpass it. We firmly believe that the Packers have the best fan base in the world. And this is another reason why, and we are going to show why by hitting and surpassing this goal. We have some weeks and we have some opportunities for you guys to win some prizes as well. Each donation of $10 or more gives you an opportunity to win. Jimmy, tell them about some of our sponsors for that show. Yeah. So we, I'm a big beer guy and we thankfully, luckily got Lakefront Brewery in Milwaukee uh, to give a case of beer every week at that the show goes to raffle off to anyone 21 and older who donates $10 or more to the, um, to the foundation. And then besides that, we have a signed Jamal Williams jersey, a signed yep. Jamal Williams picture. Uh, we also have uh, Game on Wisconsin hats are being raffled off and we have some other sponsors being announced later on during the, during the season of this, but we have some really cool prizes for people who donate. And we're really excited. Like Jacob said, for uh, Packer fans to show why they're the best in the NFL and raise money for these kids and for uh, Jamal Williams foundation. Yeah. So we have a lot of different things that you guys can do. If you want all of the details and where you can donate, check out at game on WI on Twitter. It is our pinned tweet. So check that out. We appreciate you guys for doing that. Otherwise listen to this podcast. That's us every Thursday. You could check out Andrew and Kyle tomorrow, but otherwise it is Packers and Falcons on Monday night. We look forward to recapping well, the Falcons and Packers next week and we'll have the bye week So yeah. I hate the bye week. It's so unfortunate when it gets to that Boring. point, but yeah, it is. But you know what? The Packers are going to win on Monday and we're going to have a happy bye week to talk about. So thank you guys for listening. And as always, go pack, go.